Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Auto Central South Africa's number one motoring podcast. My name is George Mini, joined as usual by none other than the one delay Sishi in the house. <laughs> yeah, that's my line. You took it from me. I did. <laughs> you did. I still made it about you, though. You did, at least. So, yeah, we're back in the studio, so I'm super happy that we can finally, you know, see each other again and have a car in our, uh, in our presence. And Hamilton came seventh. He did come seventh, um, and I've been trying to get over that, but for some reason, everyone just keeps reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay, it's okay, it's a season, it's a full-on uh, season, so right. you know, we'll uh, see what happens. <laughs> well, we it, just, uh, it just shows, he knows how to drive in a straight line, doesn't know how to turn corners. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, you know, seven championships will say differently, so yeah. Oh, there is the comeback, <laughs> there is the comeback, ladies and gentlemen. Well, uh, it's not here to talk about Formula One, we're here to talk about RSUVs killing cars. At least threatening, right? Or threatening, yes. <laughs> exactly, and uh, in today's uh, segment, we also review the 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLE 63 Coupe, which is... Right, yeah. Stunning. Wow, just appeared. <laughs> um, and then lastly, we get into some uh, uh, Ask Order Trader questions um, from our Ask Order Trader platform. So let's uh, get right into it after Wendy tells us where you can find us. Uh, you can totally find the show, um, or the audio at least, every single Monday at 9 a.m. on cliffcentral.com. But if you want to see our faces, you can also find us on the Auto Trader SA YouTube channel. Um, and if you're watching there, please comment, hit subscribe, tell us what you guys think. Um, tell us if you don't like it even. Tell us, uh, you know, give us some ideas for, for new topics that you want to hear. And if you want to listen to the, the podcast at your convenience, you can also find us on Spotify, iTunes Music, and pretty much any streaming service which has podcasts on it. Well, there you have it. Go and subscribe, hit that like button, and comment, please. We need yeah. to know what you want to hear, um, because we will go and dig into that topic and give you the answers if we can. That's but today's plan. topic is, are SUVs killing, or, for lack of a better word, threatening cars, uh, and uh, um, how SUVs have conquered the world at the expense of the climate? Mm-hmm. So uh, exclusive new emissions analysis, which was very surprising. I mean, I was surprised to see this, mm, uh, has well. shown how much more dangerous for the climate SUVs are than smaller vehicles and how embedded they've become in our lives. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, Wendy, you, you, you said a little bit earlier that uh, you call it the Hulk of a car. They're kind of the hawks of the car. I think they, they're everywhere now. It doesn't, it doesn't matter which road you're on. You'll, you'll see an SUV. Um, they've completely increased in popularity. Um, and that's why we want to kind of unpack today. What are the impacts of that? Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing, but mm. it's important that we kind of discuss what this means for the industry. That's, that's our job, right? Exactly. So uh, initially starting in the US of A and then spreading to China, South Africa, a new generation of eager buyers is set to dominate the twisting streets of Europe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, the sports utility vehicle or SUV as it's, uh, promptly named, um, has bludgeoned its way to the automobile supremacy with a mix of convenience and uh, and marketing muscle by OEMs. But I don't know if it's just marketing muscle by OEMs or if it's really um, a need by the consumer because this rise of SUVs, I'm sure you'll agree, mm-hmm. uh, um, is as a result of urban life. People wanting better air quality, pedestrian safety, being able to park, being able to, I mean, in South Africa anyway, it's being high up. I mean, Definitely. I'm an SUV person. Yeah. Um, I think if you ask every single person, the next person, they'll tell you that somehow or somewhere there have been 
um, impacts about an, FV, uh, an SUV or have an SUV. SUV. <laughs> or have an SUV. Um, they, you know, they make sense. Ultimately, that's kind of, um, why the demand is so high. They make sense. Um, um, but what does that mean? What does that mean for, for everything else? Well, do you think SUVs are killing all the other categories? I think they were. I won't lie. I think they were on a slippery slope. I'm talking about the days of the Hummer H3 and, the, you know, mm-hmm. these giant, um, inefficient vehicles. But we've come a long way from there. Um, I think one of the big things or one of the big reasons why the demand is so high is because we've come a long way from there. So I don't think it's as easy as, you know, paying the, the blame game on this one subcategory of vehicles. Yeah. Well, I mean, consumer demand. But but last the reality is last year that Internal Energy Agency made a finding that stunned everybody. I mean, I was stunned to even, yeah, to even yeah. read this. And that SUVs are the second largest cause of the global rise in carbon dioxide emissions. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, uh, in the last 10 years. It's it's pretty frightening. I, I didn't, as surprised as you were, I was as well. Um, especially when you see what else is on that list. It's, it's like, it's a bit shocking. Well, it's, it's, it's <laughs> I mean, this, this, this research uh, it says that the carbon emissions of SUVs eclipses the shipping, mm-hmm. aviation, yeah. heavy industry, and even trucks, yeah. which are usually the vehicles to loom you know, the largest on the streets, uh, yeah. on the streets in terms of uh, carbon emissions. And the yeah. only thing that trumps SUVs is power generation. <laughs> Which makes sense, right? I mean... Well, I didn't know that. I, did, like, I wouldn't have thought it makes sense. The heavy industry, uh, um, you know, in terms of, in terms of numbers, the, the power generation of, uh, well, power generation is 1,405 megatons. SUVs, 544 megatons, megatons yeah. of carbon each emissions each year. Yeah. Uh, whereas trucks is 311 megatons. It's insane. So, um, it's, 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 it's mind boggling to kind of wrap your head around that. You know, you'd always assume that aviation, all the shipping industry. I, you know, I was watching a documentary the other day about um, what was it? It was like, it was like cruise cruise um, liners, um, saying that that was the you know one of the biggest Im- impacts. But you know, go outside and you realize that that's not the case. Well, in terms of this list, the yeah. the shipping industry uh, produces eighty megatons versus yeah. SUVs at five hundred and forty four megatons, and the uh, um, the aviation industry two hundred thirty three megatons. Mm. It's the aviation industry is actually less than half of what all SUVs put out in terms of carbon emissions. One hundred percent, you wouldn't guess that, right? Um, and it makes you think, why? You know, there's when when VW came out with, I think it was Dieselgate. When that happened, a lot of people didn't understand what the implications of that was. Mm. Um, and it's it's these sort of things that we need to really really understand before we go and you know go and spend our money on, um, because they don't just impact. Uh, you, the impact, the rest of us. Mm. Um, so it's important, but you know, let's educate ourselves and see. Exactly. I mean, this is a journey. It's not a. It's not a uh, an event. And mm. uh, um, you know, if all SUVs banded together, listen to this. If all SUVs banded together to form their own country, it would rank seventh largest emitter of carbon emissions in the world. Incredible. Yeah. That is insane. That is insane. How many SUVs mm. are they on the road? Do we have an idea? Uh, 200 million. Just about 200 million. Yeah. Um, look, let's, I'm going to ask you a question just for, for context here. Um, when we say SUVs, what are we actually referring to? Are we talking about this specific category of vehicle? Are we talking about engine size? Are we talking about what is the real contributor of the CO2 emissions? Because I don't think it's necessarily just the body type. I think it's more mm. than that. I think it's people maybe wanting 
bigger engines, for instance? Well, yes um, and no. I mean, t- an SUV is is really uh, it's it's a big bulky. You called it the Hulk, yeah, of cars. You yeah, know, it's a big bulky machine. Yeah. It needs a bigger engine to push of that course. brick through the through the air. Yeah, which means that it is heavier on fuel. By yeah. definition, no matter what the engine size. So you, so you saying, uh, is it engine size? Is it? What's the reason why? Why the, is it only SUVs that's being kind of? Is it because of the size and the it's load? The that size, it needs to carry? yes. It's the load that I think it's the load it needs to carry, which yeah. means that the engine needs to work harder, which means that you burn more fuel, yeah. which means that you put out more carbon emissions. So even if you had a one liter engine in your SUV, in your it's SUV, gonna be a bit harder, it's going to be working a harder a more. than yeah. a Daihatsu Shirad. Hectic, hectic stuff. You know, so, so for me, it's less about the engine size in the SUV. It's more about, I mean, you can imagine this G63 over here or GLE63 over here has to work less to push that body because of the size of its its engine. Yeah. You put a two liter engine in here, that thing has to flipping work hard. So if you're going to buy an SUV, go big, go big or go go home. Go big or go home. That's (laughs) what I say because you don't have to hardly touch the throttle. That's kind of the, the silver lining. Hey, I mean, totally does it answer your question? <laughs> it, it totally does. You know, I was, I was when I read this, I, I was wondering, like, you know, why is it? Why is it? It can't honestly just be SUVs. Like, that's that's just a body type. But you're saying it's kind of the work that's um, that's required, yeah. um, that's emitting or causing the emissions. Um, that's the problem here. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like having to push a square margarine tin through the air. Mm. Um, the bottom line is, people people want SUVs. That's the the bottom line. I don't think it's going to change. It's just a consumer thing. You People can't love them. You can't blame the OEMs for this. You've got to blame not. the consumer for this. Yeah. Uh, blame. I guess blame is the wrong word. But uh, you know, it's it's consumer demand. Consumers want SUVs, and in 2019, mm. uh, the SUV uh, reached a milestone, surpassing 40 percent of all car sales world, worldwide for the first time. Yeah. So more SUVs sold in the world than any other body type. Watch, watch for the bucky in South Africa. I think that's going to be the, the next problem. Yeah, that's <laughs> even a more it's even a square. Is it a word? Squarer. It's even a squarer brick. It is a squarer brick. So that that's where where the the real you know uh, what's it called? The telescope should be on. It should be on the bucky markets. I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, let's let's get some of the South African numbers and, uh, and mention them in the next show. Definitely, uh, definitely. Um, or even uh, you know, if I do a throw for it now, uh, you know, if you if you if you listen to Cliff Central, then uh, um, uh, let's see if we can get some of the South African numbers for this. But SUV share of car sales in uh, uh, in the UK has tripled over the last ten years. Mm. I can tripled. totally believe that. Um, it's um, it's not just your neighbour who has one now. It's celebrities. It's the soccer players it's everyone has one they look cool they make you feel like you're on top of the world you know it kind of makes sense why why they they rose to the to the fame that they have in the last decade i guess well some people like an uh, an suv to uh, uh you know the weight of an adult rhinoceros and the aerodynamics of a fridge is definitely <laughs> it's probably the weight of a rhinoceros but I mean, uh, this is a coupe. This, so, well, you know. this this has this definitely doesn't have the aerodynamics of a fridge. <laughs> yeah. um, this has better aerodynamics and uh, beautiful, beautiful car. So, uh, so you know, for me, uh, you know, the Ford, uh, 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 the, the the Ford truck, the Bronco, became popular in America after the OJ Simpson after OJ Simpson was chased. Yeah, by the cops. It, by the yeah. cops in 1994. I've actually seen that clip. <laughs> and uh, and and it caused this kind of explosion 
yeah. in, the, in the United States. For the Bronco specifically. Specifically for the Bronco, but I think yeah. for the for the, for the category. Mm. You know, the, and, and I think the Bronco at the time was actually pr- a pretty small SUV. It wasn't that big. Um, I think it was the equivalent of what, like a, a Jeep Wrangler? Two-door? No, I mean, in uh, America, so, everything's yeah. big. <laughs> yeah, in context. It was, it was big there. <laughs> it was big there. So what's the solution then? What's the, what's the way around... Um, this well, you know what I'm going to say. It's EVs. Electric. If you want, if you want to, if you still want the frame of an SUV, go EVs. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. If you still, I mean, I, I, the, the SUV is not going anyway. We can all no. just agree this type, this body type, yeah. may be dwarfing all other categories. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Um, and it, you know, um, it's te- still climbing. Tesla's yeah. put out. Uh, Tesla's put out the the Tesla Model X, which yeah. is an SUV. I'm driving a uh, Jaguar I Pace, yeah. which is an, an SUV. SUV. It's a smaller SUV, but it's not a. It's not the size of this. I'd be interested to see in terms of efficiency of new SUVs versus the older ones. What are you talking about? Petrol engine ones. Petrol engine SUVs. Just to understand, is this because. This is a report, right? This was this report done ten years ago. Do we know what the impact was then? Um, I'd be interested to see if they are getting better because I, I would honestly, I'd, I'd tip my hats and say I'd be the first to, to kind of say that I think OEMs have been doing a lot recently to ensure that even though the demand is going up, these cars are a little bit more efficient. Well, I mean, the you can see the aerodynamics are better. Yeah. They, they're trying to probably trying to improve the efficiency of the vehicle, yeah. um, and I think they're doing a good job. But it's a it's a good question to ask our next next guest, who Definitely. is going to be Chad Lakoff, uh, one of our expert journalists, um, who you who have been who has been on the show many many times before, and you've seen his face a lot in his videos, and he's going to join us in a second to review this 2021 Mercedes Benz GLE 63 sitting behind us over here, which which uh, is a beautiful, beautiful car. So uh, when we come back, Chad will be here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. And we have our expert journalist, Chad Lakoff, here to uh, review the 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLE 63 Coupe, which is standing right behind us. <laughs> beautiful car. Lovely color as well, I must say. Um, uh, I've always been a fan of the, uh, the GL shape, um, but yeah. I believe this is the Coupe. Yeah, so this is the Capay styled one. Um, the regular GLE, oh no, I'm going to call it a sedan. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it has that more traditional ML sort of yeah. rear hockey stick in the C pillar at the rear. Uh, and that's just instantly recognizable as being a Mercedes Benz SUV offering. Um, go with something small, compact, and lightweight if you want to go fast, if you want to handle well. Mm. Stop trying to make a two and a half ton behemoth. Stop, turn, and go. That you're putting in so much engineering into it to make it do that just because you want a little bit more ride height. Well, there is seems to be a market for this thing, there Chad. Is, sadly. So yeah, so um what what is what is positive about this car? What, yeah, what this did one, you like about it? Yeah, it's a knee jerk reaction to it things. Goes, is it really the X6? It does. Yes, um, it's like the X6. It's it the a glorious sound. Um it is surprisingly comfortable. In comfort mode, mm. it does really well. There are so many of its competitors that just ride absolutely rock hard on the wheel and tire combinations. Um the sport suspension is just like overly sporty. Yeah. This one still manages to iron out quite a lot of that. Um, the Mercedes-Benz trimmings and their tech does pretty well. They haven't gone with the new E-Class's steering wheel on this that has that full-touch yeah. spars and that. They yeah. still have the previous generation steering wheel. Which, which you liked. Which I prefer. Yeah. I really do prefer. Because you, you complained about the, uh, I think it was the A30, 
Uh, uh, no, it was the E-Class. It was, was the E-Class. E-200, yes. E-200 that we had. The steering wheel was a problem. Yeah, and that, it's just super fiddly. And that this one is a lot easier to use. I don't know if it's just because I'm that much more accustomed to it, having yeah. interacted with more of them than of the newer steering wheels. Um, but this has the older steering wheel. Uh, it's got some brilliant options on it. It's carbon fiber and Alcantara trimmed steering wheel. is absolutely gorgeous to hold. Um, it really does. It stops, turns, drives extremely well. Um, my money would be spent elsewhere. But that's yeah. just because it's not one of those that appeals to me. I'm, it's, it's, I'm not this type of guy. Well, it's not a Chad car. We've established <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. So if uh, I was going with the GLE, um, yeah. I'd, I'd be like, err on the cent- more, slightly more sensible side and I'd go with like a diesel offering. Yeah. You know? And if I really wanted to look you know, fancy, then I'll put an AMG line kit on it. Yeah. Are you um, actually compromised though in the, in the rear seats in terms of comfortability? Um, don't go there. Is there a serious compromise? Are you serious? Um, generally, I'll dri- <laughs> generally, I'll drive it from the front seat, so I don't really know too much. <laughs> Fair enough. I actually sat in it. I like the word uh, generally, <laughs> though, because it tells me that sometimes, sometimes. it drives it from the back seat. <laughs> Some cars are really small. <laughs> but but uh, I, had a, I had another question. Is uh, you know, so, so we've got the, the Q8, the, the X6, and the GLE 63 mm. Coupe. Um, uh, how would you rank this car between in those three? Definitely of the better ones. Okay. It's definitely, if I had to take those three, recently I have had X6M, mm. um, which was also just a reminder of how, th- I think that's what started it, is I've had nothing but <laughs> those sort three of, in a row. <laughs> sort of thoughts um, yeah. it, running through my mind, and I'm just constantly reminded. Either that or the universe is trying to tell me, listen, change it's your attitude. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's time. Listen, wake up, wake up. Um, this is part of your future. Um, I would definitely rate this one considerably higher. I think the execution of this is, is a lot better. better. Um, there are some 63 packages that feel a little hit and miss um, when they've got the 4-litre V8. I mean, the thing makes 450 kilowatts and 850 wow. newton meters. Mm. 3.8 seconds into 100. I mean, it's, it's seriously, it it's seriously in, it, impressive. I'll still um, give it a go with my iPace. You absolutely will. You absolutely will. Um, <laughs> after, after this. After uh, let, me, let me tell you something. <laughs> yeah. that, that, my, um, uh, that, that iPace yeah. versus the Jaguar SVR. Oh, yeah. <laughs> On paper, the SVR is faster. In reality, it's not. So I've done a real-world test like that. Mm. Um, Have you got it on video? uh, I may actually have a video of it somewhere. Send it to me. I need to send it to one of my friends because <laughs> he has an SVR. <laughs> it comes down to reaction time, but oh, then yeah. from second gear, SVR's got it. Yeah. SVR's oh, okay. got the longer legs. Longer so legs. It's that initial launch of the iPace that if the SVR sleeps ever so slightly or takes a traction control off and lights it up on the line, iPace you has lost. got it. But yeah. before the 400 meter mark, the SVR is coming howling fast. <laughs> Back. Yeah. Exactly. It's just a different type of delivery. Um, okay. So what would you give this out of 10, Chad? Uh, I have my reservation. So it's not going to be as high as people would like it to be, um, especially Mercedes-Benz fanboys and the likes. Um, well, coupe fanboys and the likes. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's a little more agreeable than some of the other vehicles that I've been mm. driving the likes of, RSQ8. Sadly, didn't it left me rather cold um and the x6m you know those i'd be in the fours and fives i'm gonna go with the six on this one or six okay yeah, the, so the, the 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 four that it's lacking there is just because i still find it a little bit of a pointless redundant there, there's no real issues with the vehicle per se yeah but i just don't believe that it belongs in the motoring landscape yeah. Well, I suppose the sales are going to tell that uh, <laughs> or not. And uh, other other vehicles that have uh, um, got around about a six are the Mercedes-Benz GLA 200 and the Opel Corsa 1.2 Turbo. Can't really compare. Um, no. If we had to compare uh, 
like yeah, for like. Yeah, like for like. You need to go apples for apples. Apples for apples. That little course is a great little car in its in its, se- in its category, in yeah. its segment. Yeah. You know, and, and you, you're comparing it against its peers here. Go against its peers. Exactly. Don't, don't take it against, you know, overall because... No, then, no, yeah. for sure. I, I agree with yeah. that. So we don't have the X6 on the list because uh, we only started this uh, the scoring not mm. so long ago. But uh, what would you have scored the X6 in the Q8? Like I say, they'd probably be fours, fours. and fives. Okay. Yeah, the BMW about a, about a four just had a couple of glaring issues. Um, the RS Q8, a little bit easier to live with. Maybe um, a five. And yeah, then about, a about, about a five, but it was just so compromised in terms of its ride. Yeah, um, yeah. That it was just, you know, a little a little counterintuitive. You buy an SUV because you want a, a slightly more comfortable ride, something that mm. can go over potholes and you don't need to worry too much. Yeah. Um, but then you still need to worry about these things on the massive, I mean, the RSQ8 was on like 23-inch wheels. They were massive and then they wow. were just dipped in rubber. It was a bit painful to drive at times and you actually had to worry about potholes. And I'm like, I'm in an SUV, I shouldn't be worrying about potholes. Mm. Yet you were. And that's, that's the bit that's a little bit of a detraction for me. Interesting. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Our expert journalist, Chad Lakoff, and his, uh, his, uh, review of the Mercedes-Benz 2021 GLE 63 Coupe. And, uh, while Chad is, uh, not a, um, SUV Coupe person, yeah. uh, there are some positives about this car. And, uh, if you want to go and read a balanced opinion, go and, and, and look it up on autotrader.co.za, go to the news and review section. And there are many, many, many reviews there. You go make up your mind, go and give us yeah. your comments because, uh, um, at the end of the day, you have to it's, drive it, right? it's everybody's opinion that counts and yeah. you have to drive it. So thanks very much, Chad. Ain't my money. Exactly. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thank you guys. Yeah. We'll chat ciao, again ciao. soon. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the yep. uh, review of the Mercedes-Benz GLE 63 Coupe 2021 model. What do you think, Wally? Um, yeah, no, I, I'm not too mad at it. I think I have similar views. Um, I'm a Coupe man myself, um, but this obviously has five doors, so I have a little bit of a fight with it, but I can understand why a lot of people like it. Makes sense. It's stunning. Well, uh, I think it's a beautiful car. Yeah I, yeah. I like SUVs in any shape or form. Yeah. Yeah, the boxy ones, like I used to drive, the round ones, like this Coupe one. Coupe ones. Coupe those. ones. But my favorite SUV is the one I'm driving right now because <laughs> it doesn't use any fuel. <laughs> so everyday people send auto trader motoring related questions uh, about everything car buying and selling. So now Wandy and I will attempt to answer some of these questions. What's the first question, Wandy? First question comes from Reckless Rex, who's asking a very interesting question. And I think an important one. I saw the car that broke down on the same day I drove it off the floor. Can I cancel the transaction? So this car was financed. It was under warranty. But after driving it off, uh, Reckless Rex, he or she, um, realized that there was some some issues with the vehicle. So he just wants to know or she wants to know, can I, under the com- Consumers Protection Act, ins- insist that the transaction be voided and refunded the cost of the deposit? Well, Reckless Rex, I hope that uh, the car breaking down is not as a result of your um, handle or name. Yeah. Reckless Rex. (laughs) Um, So let's assume it's not for a second, and uh, we're really sorry to hear about your traumatic experience, and um, that's very unpleasant, unfortunately. Um, And uh, I'm sure it leaves a bad impression for you. The good news is that you're you're on the right side of the law, given, I suppose, the time period and uh, and the Consumer Protection Act. I'm no legal expert, so this is not legal advice. Um, And uh, your, your, your car showed major material flaws within the first six months. And uh, this entitles you to return the car to the dealership uh, where they have to either repair or replace 
the yeah. defective components at their cost, mm-hmm. refund you uh, or refund you for expenses incurred in the purchase of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, those are the options available to the dealership. It's not yeah. a, it's not just a case of you're able to return the car, give me my money back. Yeah, especially because you do kind of do a test drive. Yeah, these are the sort of things that you're supposed to do in the first time. But you are protected, luckily. In yes, the first six months. you're protected, and uh, uh, you know. But there's there's uh, there's obviously no quick fix here. You've got to go through the motions to uh, yeah. to get the answer to your questions. Unfortunately, there we go, reckless Rex. Next question comes from Ngosi M, who's asking, "What is the value of my car?" So Ngosi drives a Volkswagen Polo 1.2 TSI, 2016 Trendline, with a current mileage of 80,000 kilometers. Um, so they just want to know what's the resale value of their vehicle. Well, uh, Nkosi M, you've come to the right place. Uh, this is what we do. Um, so uh, VW Polo 1.2 TSI 2016 Trendline. Um, you're actually um, in the money because it's a very popular car. Yeah. Very, very popular car. 80,000 kilometers. So if we just do the maths, we're uh, sitting in 2021. Uh, the car would have done 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. It's five years old. Uh, it's actually got quite low mileage, in my opinion. Yeah, 80,000. It's, I mean, it's driven, I would assume, pretty well um, with the mileage like that. Yeah, so looking to, into our data, it looks like this car is worth somewhere in the retail uh, world between 140 and 180,000 rand, okay. um, depending on optional extra service history condition, et cetera, et cetera. And trading values is going to be lower than that. Remember, there's a difference between what you can sell the car for in the retail world mm-hmm. and, there, and, and there's a difference between what a dealership will trade the car f- uh, or give you for the car. A dealership will never give you retail value. And the reason for that is because they buy and sell cars for a profit. Yeah, they have to make money too. They've got to make money too. They've got to pay their salaries too. So, so you could either sell it in the private uh, space between those numbers, or uh, you probably get as low as ninety thousand rand for the car from a trade point of view, maybe up to one hundred and forty-five thousand rand, maybe one hundred fifty thousand rand um, in the trade, depending on you know whether it's in good condition or not. Understood. Always remember that the the tires on your on your car. If you trade a car, yeah, the tires pay a big part. The tires you have in the car. The, not the type of tires, the wear on the tires. Okay, I, I have no idea. This is a mm. kind of a... They play a big part in your trading value. If the dealer has to, because the dealer's not going to sell that car with bald tires. Yeah, of course. So I'm going to sell the car with no tires on it. Yeah. And in most of in most cases, the, the dealership will replace, put uh, new tires on that car if, that, if those tires are um, more than 50% worn. So that uh, so that's the new owner, much you're get, yeah. so the new owner gets a car that has newer tires on it. Mm. So, uh, so you always got to take into account tire wear. Tire wear is going to reduce the trading value of your car. Interesting. Hot tip. Hot tip. There we go. Next question. Last question comes from TK, who's asking: I want to buy a car, but I can only afford a used car. What are the most important questions to ask when I'm, you know, going through this journey? Well, again, TK, you're in luck. You come to the right place. This is what we do. Um, so uh, um, there's an article on autotrader.co.za. If you um, go to autotrader.co.za and you look for a, a, an article called a checklist for buying a used car, forward slash 4005. Um, uh, and, but we'll put up this link on social media so that you can go and, uh, um, go and have a look at it. And uh, there is a list. We can't exhaust that list now, but... Um, you know, the main thing is uh, check, check, and check some more. That's kind of where, where the bottom line the is. The bottom line is yeah. check the car, not only the car, 
check the dealer that's selling the car, look at their reputation, see how they deal with other customers, see what their online presence looks like, mm. um, and what other people are saying about them. Definitely. You can never, ever go wrong by doing a triple, quadruple check on your next car. Otherwise, you might just end up in the situation that reckless wrecks. <laughs> <laughs> We're going full circle, yeah. We're going full circle. (laughs) But that's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I'm really sorry that Hamilton lost. Uh, (laughs) That's been me, George Mini, and one dealer's issue in the house.